Welcome to the HU Pirateship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. It's year three of the podcast and we recorded this episode on September, on October 10th. I'm your host, Big Rick, along with Hamptonite from the HU Pirateship. What's going on, Hamptonite? Oh, man, just living, man, you know, <laughs> living. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. It, living in interesting times. Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely say that. You know, I'm. Mean, you know what? It is interesting times, but just remember, you know, like what thirty to forty years ago, you know, it was interesting then when we had the Vietnam War and civil rights and all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and we got got some more work to do apparently. So we'll try and bring some levity to to life in the situation with this podcast. Talk about something a little bit lighter, and uh, we'll get right into it. So a busy show this week. Uh, on this show, we'll do a quick review of the Monmouth loss. We didn't do a podcast right after that game, um, but we will also review the Savannah State win. We'll um, discuss the MEAC uh, scoreboard, go over the MEAC standings, uh, preview MEAC week, the MEAC week seven schedule, and then of course we'll preview the Battle of the Bay with Norfolk State. So, got a lot to talk about. Let's get into it, but. Hamptonite and I wanted to discuss uh, something really quickly. Uh, as we said, current events are pretty interesting right now. So we're a sports show, so we imagine everyone who listens to this podcast you know, is familiar with Jamel Hill and her work on ESPN and her work on The Six. Um, so we wanted to give her a shout-out um, um, for... Um, just in support of, you know, her speaking truth to power and um, trying to call out Jerry Jones and his nonsense remarks about how he will punish players who, quote unquote, disrespect the flag. I mean, I think we're reaching silly season right now. And uh, these NFL owners are, are not <laughs> setting a good example, um, you know, in my opinion, for how you um, handle the situation. So, you know, got to call them out. And um, Jamal Hill um you know, respectfully called out Jones in her job as a sportscaster, as a sports pundit, and she was um, suspended for two weeks for that. So just want to give her a shout out. And then just also just, you know, trying to understand Jerry Jones, his comments were just tone deaf for a bunch of reasons. But the amount of pressure that that puts on his players, especially the black ones, is just insane. And then also the black fans. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm I know, but I know a lot of them, so yeah, I, I imagine there has to be some sort of dissonance while watching and supporting that team now. So I don't, I, it's just a crazy time. But again, shout out to Jamel Hill for uh, speaking the truth. Uh, any thoughts on that, Hampton tonight, man? What's going on with Jerry? Well, I will just say this, you know, um, salute and black fist in the air for our sister, Jamel Hill. You know, she is our, I would say, modern day sister soldier. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say with, with Jerry Jones, I mean, honestly, he is playing with fire, you know, and um, same with Mike Ditka. You know, these are people I think a lot of the sports world revere. And sometimes when you do not understand uh, a person that is besides you issues, then uh, instead of just speaking ignorantly, it's, it's probably best that you actually listen to them and try to learn from them. And I do think that Jerry Jones, who has been, I would say, a mega or a, 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 a huge force 
for the NFL for the past 25 to 30 years, you know, when he says this, you know, he you have to think about um, his 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 players that have played for him, whether it's Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin, you know, all of these young men and that have come up under him, you know, how do they feel about it? You know, it's like and, and to be honest. Black people have been standing up for that flag for for centuries, even though when that third stanza talks about uh, talks about our, I would say, our Holocaust, you know, our slavery. And, you know, we have to put up with that for centuries. And when someone says that you won't play because you won't stand up, you know, if you if you decide to kneel, you know how dare you? That's very arrogant of you. And Malcolm Jenkins, you know, a defensive back for the Philadelphia Eagles, I will say this to him: I salute him because he said the players will not back down from this. And to be honest, you know, for any other owner who thinks that you're so you're, that your dogma is so strong that you're going to just you know, beat everyone by saying um, with this whole NFL memo that you will not be able to kneel anymore, then they got another thing coming. Now, I do understand that, you know, a lot of this is everybody's paychecks. This is how they can feed their family for generations. But when there is a precedent or there's a principle based behind what they're saying, then it's deeper than money then you can't pay and you know you can't just buy that off. And to be honest, the NFL should have known better when they tried to attach patriotism into a football game. And I'm not saying that black people are not patriotic. I'm just saying that when you have injustices in this country that have still not been answered, and I'm not talking about police brutality. I'm talking about historical injustices that these players are trying to highlight. It is not about the players. The players are speaking for people who have no voice. And so I think that is the problem that these owners, and I think a lot of these fans that do not get what these players are doing, that is what they're saying. They're speaking for the voiceless. And I'm going to just say this too. Uh, if any, uh, I, I sit down when the uh, anthem is playing, and if anyone tries to pour some uh, liquid or beverage on me like they did at that Lakers game, you got another thing coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope they're not that crazy, man. I mean, you're a big dude, man. I mean, so <laughs> it, that, that would be a challenge, a silly challenge. But it, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> time because, I mean, you know, the, the, the owner is showing, I don't know if it's weakness, but, you know, it seems like they're being pushed by uh, the current uh, president, um, the orange guy. So, I mean, they're in a rough place, you know, if they don't, not in a rough place, I mean, a place for them, and they're supposed to be billionaires, powerful dudes, they should be able to stand up to this guy, but it seems like the more he eggs them on, um, especially the ones that are, you know, amenable to his messaging, um, they're going to be putting themselves in a, in a crazy situation, like Dan Snyder said the same craziness, um, and, and, you know, so it, it's going to be interesting, man, um, I, but like I said, I, I don't feel for the players, I mean, um, they're, they're in an interesting spot. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to make, make a move, but you know, again, shout out to Hill and, and for her stance on this thing. Um, ah, yeah. Interesting times, man.
But Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. We'll talk a little bit more about that too. And the Miak, some uh, Miak coach has some interesting thoughts on this as well. That we definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the Pirates, man. So the two weeks ago they lost. No, three weeks ago actually they lost to Monmouth in overtime, uh, thirty to twenty-seven. Again, we didn't do a show after that, so we'll do a quick rundown of that game. Uh, Hampton jumped out to the quick lead, thirteen to nothing. Everything was going well, but you just kind of knew that the, the tide might turn, and unfortunately, it did. Uh, for Hampton, um, they played well, especially out the gate. The defense um, played very well. They forced eight punts by Monmouth. Um, they held Monmouth to 275 yards of offense. And again, the offense had a pretty good start. Delmon Delman Williams, he looked strong uh, out the gate, and things were looking promising for Hampton. But uh, it seemed like Monmouth, their game plan was to just chill out and let the game come to them, and eventually it did. Um, because when you look at the teams, um, it wasn't evenly matched. I say actually Hampton was more talented than Monmouth. Uh, Monmouth were a bunch of jags, a bunch of big guys, but for us, talent, speed, athleticism, I, I give that nod to, to us, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. Um, let's go to the bad for this game. So, you know, we lost the turnover battle. That's what hurt us there. Um, lost the special teams battle. That's what kind of turned the tide with some bad... Um, punt team uh, bought bad snap and some other issues on special teams. We lost a penalty battle. Uh, we were severely penalized and compared to Monmouth. And uh, the offensive uh, line didn't get any push, really, um, to keep the defense honest, um, for um, keep Monmouth's offense, defense honest. So it was very hard for Delmont to find passing lanes and um, get the passing game going. So um, just just an unfortunate game. It looked like they had this one in the bag, but and which would have probably been Maynard's best win as a Pirate, but unfortunately they squandered that game. So uh, that's my quick rundown. Anything to add to that game here tonight? You made that game, right? You, you, you saw that in person. Yeah, I saw it. It was a scorching. It was scorching out there. <laughs> and I didn't even know if I could make the actual whole game because it was extremely hot. Um, I will just say this: that um, the defense actually did their job this game. Um, I think earlier on the offense actually played extremely well uh, uh, with Delmon and of course Yaki. And I think every time they created space for Yaki, then it actually worked into work for the Pirates' favor. And I just looked at Monmouth, and they just they were just a big, slow team, you know? But I will say this, in their favor, they uh, their offensive line was uniform, you know? They were they were pretty, they were, they were just as big as our guys, but you can tell that they actually were built the same way, you know? They were big, they were strong, they were actually lean. And so, they got a lot of push off the ball, and they you know, they fired off the ball. And I do think that sometimes Hampton gets very cute. And I think that was what happened to us um, initially when, I guess, you start passing, passing more than you can run the ball. And then I think the biggest thing that uh, that actually probably turned the momentum of the game was definitely special teams. And that, to me, is every HBCU's Achilles heel. <laughs> and if I, and then, I mean, I'm going to be honest. If I could talk to every dadgum coach in HBCU's, get a freaking punter and a long snapper and a kicker. 
you know, stop going after these five foot six athletes that can run that, that can run run like the wind, but can can't even run the route tree. But <laughs> I mean, but that's not a shot at Maynard. That's just a that's just a simple thing. Long snapper, punter, and kicker. Now I know we've been very. Um, very spoiled with Christian Faber Kenny, and we had Dylan Kearns for four years. But you got to find this long snapper somewhere. So, um, but I would just say this too: we did force overtime on the last play, yep. on the fourth and sixteen, and mm-hmm. I was there, and the crowd was raucous. And then we had them with two seconds left on their one yard line, and Raheem Husky jumped off sides. That is a mental error, and that is a discipline error, and that is a problem. And, I, I mean, we really could have won that game. We should have won that game. And I think it was an extremely wasted opportunity, and I'm glad it's over with so we can move on to Savannah State. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Actually, excellent rundown of that Monmouth game. So, yeah, let's move on to Savannah State, man. We got, we got uh, the, the W there. Um, Pirates beat Savannah State 17-10. to um, It was a little bit closer than what I think folks thought it would be. But at least the uh, Pirates did not squander this opportunity. So after this game, uh, this win, Hampton is now 3-2 and uh, and 2-0 in MEAC play. So uh, moving in the right direction there. So um, some good things came out of this game. Um, they had a strong running game this week. They had a hundred. The Pirates, that is, had 180 yards rushing on 40 carries. Um, the defense came showed up again. They had three sacks. Um, uh, actually, Owen Obasui had three sacks. If the stat sheet is right, I watched that game. I remember him being in the back backfield a lot, but I don't remember three sacks. But that's what the stat sheet says. Um, Raheem Husky had another big game. He's just very active. Number 26. I think he needs to get like a 40s or 50s number so you can really tell that he's a linebacker. Because <laughs> he's, I mean, he's, he's not like a, a big, you know, 240-pound linebacker. He's about 220-something, so you can confuse him as a safety, which at times I'm sure folks do that. So you got to get a new number, Husky. But, again, he showed up. He had uh, 11 tackles, an interception, and a tackle for loss. Um, let's see. Also, a nice play by Delman Williams in the third, in the third, uh, uh, fourth quarter. Actually, a 33 yard touchdown pass to uh, Bell in the fourth quarter to seal this game. And then the uh, defense had four turnovers. Um, so pretty good uh, showing by the defense. Pretty good all around performance. Not a great performance, but a pretty good all around performance uh, to get the W. Um, the bad quickly offense had four turnovers again. Um, the defense, the passing game is stalling. Um, so what I what I think Hampton tonight is I think the defense and defenses have figured out what the Pirates are trying to do passing wise, and because the quarterback is new, because the receivers are new, like they can't adjust on the fly. So um, and teams aren't really. They're going to give Hampton a run because our offensive line doesn't always give a lot of push. So they're playing coverage and um, making uh, the receivers read, quarterbacks read. Since we're so new, we're not on the same page. Williams has to tuck it. That's why he's having these fumbles, throws it into tight spaces. 
Um, so the passing game is struggling right now, and I think they need to get more dynamic, and hopefully that comes with time and experience. Because um, sometimes he's just back there patting, so that means he's got patting the ball so guys aren't getting open. Um, uh, then Savannah State, they were able, able to move the ball, so they, they actually had more yards in the air passing than we did. Um, they had 199 yards passing, so that was a little bit uh, disturbing, but they still held them uh, to 10 points. Um, so, yeah, man, not not too many gripes. So I just got to cut down on those turnovers and work on um, getting more experience with that passing game. Uh, but they got the W, man. Anything I left out here tonight? You know what? Um, I, you didn't really leave out anything. And I will give uh, Savannah State credit because they were – this was their homecoming. So, you know, emotionally they were up for this game. Um, I do think that um, – Hampton's running game, you know, with the 180 yards, you know, something that you could use going into next week. Then you got Obasui with those three sacks, you know, and the defense really has stepped to the plate. And, you know, it's just four turnovers, you know, but with those turnovers, the offense has to use that momentum to actually put the game away. And the fact of the matter is, you know, we have Delman Williams, who I think is, I wouldn't say he's regressing, I'm, I think that the just like you said, the defense has uh, started to catch on to his techniques and his habits. And I think sometimes uh, the play calling can be a little spotty. But if you have 180 yards on 40 carries in a running game, then you could, should be able to play action that thing to death. And, I mean, I did not watch much of this game. Um, I will just say this, though. Um, so um, Alden Knight and I think uh, Wesley Wolfolk, which I think has pretty much been absent from <laughs> absent from I think the past couple of weeks. We have not seen him, and you know he definitely needs to step up along with uh, Ronald Bell, who's actually been filling his shoes. Also, the fact of the matter is we do not have a tight end. Oh you yeah, <laughs> right. And you know we've been harping on this for the past. Um, for this whole uh, year, this whole season. And last year we were blessed to have Jack Willenbrock and Kentrell Richard. This year, I mean, I think they put a glorified tall receiver at tight end, number 88, Patterson. And I don't think he's – I think he's barely 200 pounds. But I do think that Hampton needs to figure out that uh, Delman needs help, you know, going um, over the middle um, with a tight end, you know, and a definite another tight end on play action. Uh, so I think that that's probably just an incomplete area that we do need to focus on. But hats off to Savannah State. They played as well. And I know every time we – every MEAC team expects to beat Savannah State by 40 to 50 points. But Eric Rayburn has them playing, playing very well. So I'm just going to go ahead and leave it at that. You know what, man? Excellent point uh, on the tight ends there. I mean, we can't even do a tight end watch this year because we don't have any. <laughs> Not any <laughs> real tight ends. But that would be a nice security blanket right in the middle of the field for for Williams. You're right. Good, excellent point. So, And so it's, it's going to be tough because for, for whatever reason, um, what's the tall receiver we have? You mentioned I, I just Tylon Patterson. No, the, no, but he's he the guy who starts. He's always on the left hand side. They usually keep him to himself. I just drew a brain fart. But he's got to get open, right? So he's the biggest guy yeah. we have that plays. And then we have the other two guys. They're little guys. 
So yes. yeah, it's it's a struggle right now. Yeah, it's it's they need to find a way, maybe get the running backs out there in in, in space or something. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, man, they need some help. And uh, as they get more film, it's going to get more difficult. Other also interesting, um, interesting uh, uh, strategy by Savannah State. So we did have that 180 yards rushing, but we only had 17 points. Yep. Yeah, so I will. I, I we're gonna see more of this. Give them the run, give it to them, um, and and then tighten up um, down in the uh, in the red zone. So it'll be interesting to see how Maynard adjusts. But we're gonna see a lot more of this. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, excellent. So yeah, man, let's move over to the Miac scoreboard. Eh, not too many, yeah, no no real upsets or anything like that, but some interesting games. Um, South Carolina State beat Morgan State 35-14. to I watched this game. It was a terrible game. Um, don't let the score fool you. It was a bad display of football. And the dam just broke late for Morgan State. And South Carolina got the, the win. But that was not good football. Um, let's see. North Carolina A&T at their homecoming. The Geho. They beat <laughs> <laughs> the Geho. They Is beat. that what they call it? I thought it was Jiho. Oh no, yeah, yeah, that's right, Jiho. Yeah, Jiho. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Jiho. Yeah, I've heard it all week. <laughs> yeah, man. They uh beat up on Delaware State forty four to three. It's almost like they didn't break a sweat, man. They they could have probably won this game sixty to nothing. Um, so tough times for Delaware State. I thought Delaware State was gonna be more competitive, but I guess not, man. Um let's see, North Carolina Central Winning their close games, which is impressive. Uh, I don't care what happens. You know, you win these close games. They beat Howard 13-7. to So, Howard's getting better. They're getting closer, getting more competitive. Kalen Newton, man, he did not check this stat line. 19 for 30, 328 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, he's, he's slinging that thing, man. And central defense is pretty good. So, um, you know, good showing by Howard. They're going to be uh, some a tough squad. Um, let's see, Norfolk State, they beat Florida A&M. That looked like a pretty good game. They won that game 35-28. to 28. I think they forced five turnovers um, um, by Florida A&M. And, um, yeah, good game. So they got that 35-28 to 28 to uh, have a two-game winning streak. Any of these scores or games jump out at you, man. All I'm just saying is, Connell Maynard, if you are listening, Howard is coming. They are. They got us circled at the end of the uh, season. <laughs> I mean, they almost beat North Carolina Central. They are coming. And, oh, I mean, luckily we're at Armstrong, but I don't think that matters. <laughs> yep. Um <laughs> I will say this too. I did think Florida A&M would beat Norfolk State, but you got to give Norfolk State credit. They beat FAMU at home, and I uh, just when I thought uh, I, I started singing the praises of Alex Wood, he lays like an egg, a serious egg, and I am, you know, and I was sitting here, I, I talking with a lot of Rattlers on the Miac fan zone, and just saying, you know what, I think you guys got a got a coach that is willing to, you know, is, is, is going to do something here. And then you lay an egg against Norfolk State. So, uh, 
And, and the fact of the matter is he has a three-year contract, and I think this is his third year. Yuck. That is yucky. So, I don't know. I think the only thing that uh, jumps out to me is Howard and North Carolina A&T and Howard almost being named. I mean, Howard almost being North Carolina Central. That's all. Yep, yep. True that. That's it, man. So, yeah, as a result of uh, those games, let's take a quick look at the MEAC standings. Uh, North Carolina A&T is in first place, 3-0 and by far. They appear to be the best team in the MEAC, and I think they're ranked in the top 15 in many of the polls uh, for F- FCS. So they are doing better than what I thought. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed with them. And then also... Pretty impressed with Rod Broadway, you know, for the kind of program that he put together. But uh, Hampton, you saw his comments this week where he said he would support his players if they demonstrated during the national anthem. So to me, that makes A and T right now the best all-around program in the MIAC, Man, any any thoughts on that on Broadway's comments? You know what? I mean, I've always very well respected Rod Broadway. You know, he does not give a damn. You know, he he's, he tells you how he, how he feels and does not apologize for it. And to be honest, I wish there was more HBCU coaches out there. I do think Maynard does speak that way, but not on the social context of it. And sometimes I don't think he has to. But to be honest, though, you know, the fact of the matter is when with this issue, HBCUs are extremely silent. And to be honest, you know, I mean, we know our president, Dr. William R. Harvey, ain't going to say nothing. He, You know, when that anthem is up, he has his hand over his heart. And even when I've gone to games at Howard, I've seen the kid, the students throw up that black fist. But, you know, it's not really an issue on HBCU campuses, I guess, about national anthem protests. Because to be honest, though, and I'm going to speak really honestly, when we, uh, like, who's going to sit down on the anthem when there is nobody who opposes it, you know? I mean, if the, all the crowd, you know, really kind of feels the same way, then, you know, you're not really, it doesn't really matter. But if you're playing like a, a program that the national anthem, you know, is near and dear, of course, then I would say you would probably see more, you know, protesting. But at this moment, HBCUs are very silent about it. And, I salute Rod Broadway for saying, for having the guts to say it. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, for a whole host of reasons, HBCUs are silent, unfortunately, um, you know, on a lot of these issues. Either many of us are just frankly conservative or captured by these crazy state legislatures in the South, so don't have a lot of of latitude to, to really speak freely on these issues because, you know, there's a sword, sword hanging over the funding over all of these schools, these state schools in the South, so they have to tread like tritely. I, I understand that, but it's still unfortunately, but unfortunate, but fortunate that Broadway, you know, felt free enough to say that and know that he would have the backing of his institution. Like you say, conversely, I don't think that would happen at Hampton. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it would end well. <laughs> and I would support the players wholeheartedly if there was some kind of retribution. But given the way that, you know, Hampton tends to get down, I don't think those things would be supported, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. But anyway. No, no, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong because this is the same uh, institution that wouldn't allow uh, people to wear Muslim gear or 
uh, dreadlocks on campus. Wait, did we, did we kick Amnesty International off the campus too? Didn't we have some <laughs> some issues around that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, and I am. T- we are talking about our university. You, you know, got you got to tell the truth, man. <laughs> you got to tell the no. truth. No, you have to tell the truth, you know. I mean, yeah, our Muslim students who a lot of us are Muslim, you know, um, uh, were not able to wear their uh, uh, their religious uh, religious uh, wardrobes on campus on the HBCU of all places. So, and and I've seen it personally, even when I was enrolled in school a long time ago. And I, it's been it's been unnerving, and I would say downright ignorant. Yep, yep. So pro, yeah, props to A and T. Hopefully, they can set an example there for the rest of our schools. Um, let's see. Second in the conference is uh, Central. They're at three and zero, uh, and then we're tied for second, I guess, with Norfolk State at two and zero, and then we got a bunch of teams in the middle and. Bringing up the rear are Morgan State, Delaware State, and Savannah State. So, that's the standings. This should get, and definitely will get a lot more interesting later uh, towards the season. The other interesting thing, though, man, is that the standing so far is pretty much chalk. It's kind of like what folks thought it would be uh, at the beginning of the season. I don't think anyone thought this would be the A&T team we see, but it's uh, kind of shaping up the way people thought it would be. So uh, let's look at the upcoming schedule for the MEAC. Uh, not too many interesting games. We got Savannah State at Morgan State, uh, Gardner Webb at Central, Howard at Delaware State, yeah. Battle of the Bay at Norfolk State. Then we got AT at FAMU. <laughs> Man, wait, now who scheduled that for homecoming? Man. <laughs> Man, I, did, did the MEAC schedule that? I don't know, but you know, A&T, I mean, fam, you, God bless you, man. God bless you. But I, I hope A&T beats the brakes off you guys in that Dust Bowl stadium, man. Um, that, 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 tr- <laughs> that trash box stadium, which you say that we complain about all the time. Yeah, I'm talking about you, um, uh, KR fam, you, two for real, Rattler, one most snake, and whatever, the Decatur G, and whatever the rest of you guys are. That stadium is atrocious and it's abominable. You should be ashamed. Playing on that cement. So hopefully that fast track helps <laughs> A&T. <laughs> it reminds me of that movie, uh, I think, with uh, Adam Sandler when he goes to prison and plays on that prison field. That's what that is. <laughs> the longest yard. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> That's right. And then we got uh, South Carolina State at Bethune-Cookman. Probably two most disappointing teams so far in the MEAC this year. Uh, but a lot, lot to go. Um, but uh, that should be hopefully an interesting game. Um, so yeah, that's the Miac standings, Miac schedule, and uh, we can head right into the Battle of the Bay. So sadly, uh, Norfolk State has won the last three. Amazingly, Norfolk uh, Maynard has not beaten Norfolk State, and he still has a job. Uh, that's that's still quite interesting. <laughs> um, Norfolk State is—I'm just kidding, Maynard. But you know who who would have thunk that, right? I mean, man, um, Norfolk State is on a roll. They won two straight. They are now two and three. 
They had dropped their opening game to Virginia State. The sky was falling. And then they lost another game to William & Mary. Uh, the sky was falling some more. And then they got blown out by James Madison, 75-14. to 14. Um, But amazingly, they rebounded from those whoopings to uh, turn things around with the soft schedule here. So um, they're on a roll. They're feeling good about themselves. And they're going to bring that swagger into the Dick Price Stadium. Um, let's see players to watch out for them. Not many. I mean, they're a young team, a bunch of Jags. Nobody really that scares you. Um, their quarterback, um, Jawan Carter, just won rookie of the week for his work against FAMU. So going to have to watch out for him. Um, other thing, I guess that is interesting about Norfolk state and maybe this is helped by the FAMU game, but they are plus six in the turnover margin. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't. I, anything else that you heard or seen or read about Norfolk State? I've watched some of their stuff online. I mean, man, they, they're just a team. They're getting better. They got confidence, but there's really nothing that I can look at and say, "Man, that's that's what they stand for. That's what they're doing. They're just out there, man." Am I missing anything with the Spartans? You know what? You're not really missing anything. Um, I do think that they uh, were, I would say, against the Virginia State team, they were very unorganized. And it clearly showed. I mean, it was a monsoon. You know, that was just an ugly game. And and But I will give uh, Virginia State credit. You know, they should be in the MEAC and not Savannah State. Um, but I will say this, though. I mean, they did beat Delaware State, and they uh, came back and beat FAMU at home. And I do think that they are – the momentum is trending towards Norfolk State um, since they had a pretty good home victory against FAMU. And their uh, quarterback, which I think they found that Juan Carter kid, you know, the rookie of the week, he has been playing, I would say, fairly well. And I do think that uh, he probably has not seen – well, I would say that he has saw a good defense with William and Mary and JMU, but uh, I think Hampton will pretty much uh, give him, you know, some fits. And I do think that um, uh, Norfolk State's um, offense, uh, I would say, I mean, it it did blossom against FAMU, but FAMU to me's defense was probably their, their weakest link, and I do think that. Uh, you know, the game will be a little bit closer than what we imagined because this is an emotional game. And I think Maynard's teams haven't been emotional at all. I think the only emotional game that we've actually played was uh, against Howard last year and the year before. So, to um, but, and I'll say this too, a lot of the Hampton players really do not um, get up for the Norfolk State game um, and I would say Maynard's tenure and Rose's tenure as well. Damn, you're right. You're right about the emotional, uh, the you know the emotional uh, energy that the team seems to bring to this game. I, I don't see it like we've seen in the past. So excellent point there. Um, uh, let's see, man. Um, so Hampton wins this game. If I think Hampton wins this game, if Williams takes care of the ball, I think the issues are. Uh, because he's having a hard time finding receivers, folks getting open, he panics, either makes a bad throw, or when he runs with the ball, he carries it like a loaf of bread and fumbles. So <laughs> he takes care of the ball, I think we'll be okay. Um, I think the special teams have to make Norfolk State drive the field. 
because um, they're young, and I think they will make a mistake if they constantly have to go 80, 70, even 60 yards to get a score. I think we need a big breakout game by Shy McKenzie. He still, you know, kind of figured figured things out, get his legs under him, but I think he needs to get fed and take over a game. This is the perfect game for that. Because um, I'm still noticing, man, people do not want to hit him. <laughs> so if they could get him going, um, that'll be huge. I think Steve Smith can have a big game getting pressure off the edge, especially on the freshman. Make him uh, speed up, make some mistakes, and then just keep the penalties low. Now, this is something the Pirates are better at this year. Actually, through two through two MEAC games, they are second in the conference at 46 penalty yards per game. And they have the least amount of penalties, period, in the MEAC. So, hopefully, they can keep that going and uh, pick, out the, pick up the W. Um, I think from just watching both teams, Hampton is better. They're a better team, better talent. But that doesn't always translate, especially against uh, Scott for some reason and Maynard. So <laughs> I'm predicting Hampton wins this game just off the strength of that, um, 24 to seven. Man, what are your thoughts? What What does Hampton have to do to win this game, man? And will they win? Um, will they win? I will say a close and somewhat a little confident. Yes, but after I think the Savannah State game. I would say my confidence is very shaky, and I will say this. I do think that, just like you said, Shai McKenzie is going to have to start running over uh, some of these Norfolk State defensive linemen. And the reason why I say that is because uh, the power game needs to be established because just to get just to keep uh, the momentum on the Hampton side, on the Pirates side, I do think that special teams – I think that their special teams probably is just going to be as terrible as ours. So hopefully <laughs> there will be a a uh, a long snap over the punter's head or a botched field goal here or there. Um, I do think that hopefully that ball could bounce our way, you know, this time. I do think that, of course, um, getting um, – Getting uh, Yaki Johnson in the open field is probably a priority. And I'll also say this, too. Getting Ronald Bell and Alden Knight in the open field, you know, is an open uh, is a priority. And once you get those those three magnificent players in open field, then it's look out. You know, they're hard to catch. And I do think that um, and I will say this, too. I think you are absolutely correct. Penalties low. Penalties low. None of this Raheem Husky. Do not jump off sides on a critical play. You know, uh, Obasui, you know, all of these players, you know, and that is just goes to straight discipline. I know you're energized. I know you're pumped up. I know you're ready to do something. But you have to cut down on the mental mistakes because a mental mistake on a third and one is pretty big. But I do think Hampton wins, and I will say I think Hampton probably wins a squeaker, and I will say it probably be a – uh, 17-16 game, and the reason why we win is because they muffle pump somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice HBCU football right there, man. <laughs> yeah, man. So that would be cool, man. I, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful for a pirate win this week. We should get the W. Um, so, oh, oh, and I forgot. Uh, that story was false, Norfolk State. I was just playing around. None of those kids... <laughs> 
were throwing those little poppy things, and no one in Hampton had a heart attack, and nobody threw a donut at Big Red. Just to show. That's right. Just to show we had a week. You throw a donut, I might eat it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, no, we're we're, we're kidding with you guys. You know, nothing like that ever happened. But they did break into my car 20 years ago, though. Yep. Hey, we love Norfolk State, man. For real, it's like our cousins. <laughs> yeah, I would say our cousins. Oh, no, I say more that they're like our neighbors that have like those four cars in the in the driveway. Two of them work, you know. One of them's constantly getting worked on, and you're constantly just kind of nudging them, like, "Hey, man, clean up that front yard." That's no mistake. We love you. We go to the same church. We go to the same mosque. We cool, but clean up that front yard. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Uh, we'll be back next week to break down the, the uh, Battle of the Bay victory for the Pirates and uh, go Pirates. Yep.